everybody, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by our good friends at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood. Andy, I know you uh, like to have people come visit you from out of town constantly. It's like a... I would call it a... What's that thing students Compulsion? stay in? A what? A hostel. Your 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 house is like a hostel. A hostel. Oh well. Yeah. You know, I, I know that I am hostel exchange, when I guess. <laughs> you're having exchange students in, and I know you're always like, boy, what am I going to do with all these exchange students? Well, I don't even like friends staying with me. Oh That's no. The kind of personality uh, I am. It's true. But let's say you all of a sudden accidentally listed your home on Airbnb. Sure. For one guest room and up to nine people. Uh huh. And someone said yes. That's and, the Admirals Club. Uh-oh. Oh no! In the ad, it's never been done. Because uh, <laughs> that ad just made it into the Admirals Club. Um, so what I'm saying is, if all nine of those people wanted to go to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, they could pay one hundred dollars. How would they do that, Andy? With the away team special. Mm-hmm. By the way, you'd have to take them. I would, because you would be the only one who would know that you could go up to the counter and mention Riker's sexy beard from Star Trek: The Next Conversation. And you would be given admission for 10 people for $100. That is the away team special. And that is brought to you by the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood, California. Andy, are you already excited? I really am. You don't seem it. Well, I'd prefer to just, you know, make them all sit in silence listening to our podcast. The most the excited clue. I've seen Andy in the oh, last man. six months uh-huh. is uh, after we recorded on Sunday because he realized Game of Thrones was on. I really was excited. <laughs> that was the most excited he's been. Anyway, go to Ripley's Believe It or Not stuff. Museum in Hollywood. Tell him Star Trek The Next Conversation sent you. Uh, tell him about Riker's sexy new beard and get 10 people in with the away team special for $100. Okay, Andy, it's time for our actual show. Yay. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek, the next conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. I feel like we're both a little bit low. I'm turning both of us up. I didn't mention it, guys. Don't blame me. <laughs> They're never going to know. All right. Uh, okay. So, Andy, yeah. here yeah. we are. We're eight episodes into season two. Uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of people are constantly reviewing this podcast, telling us how good it is. I hope so. And uh, <laughs> and if they do, and they give us five stars, Matt, uh-huh. they hear this sound. Good Because if you leave five stars for us, even if you say negative things, you still very true. You still get into the Admirals Club. And Matthew, these are the Admirals that have entered this week. Oh boy. First, there's uh Admiral Xas two 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 five. 
sounds like a very alien species, but Starfleet's very inclusive, as we learned this week. The laughter in the dark. In these troubled times, it's the perfect distraction. It's got reminders of Trek's humanist philosophy of peace and awe-inspiring exploration of the stars. It's also got a healthy dose of schadenfreude. (laughs) That's us. Whether it's a clumsy podcast novice bumbling through the sound cues under the tutelage of a frustrated master, or the will-they-won't-they-can-they they of a budding friendship, you'll leave the show feeling more hopeful for humanity and much, much better about your own life, laughing all the way five stars. Oh, that's actually probably one of my favorite reviews that's been written. Of course. It's and <laughs> it's like more of a minute of silence uh, on there. As if to punctuate the Admiral's Club of Tax 2225. It's not the end of the Admiral's Club. You Don't idiot. listen to the cue. See, I was about to take offense, and then I instantly proved myself deserving of the insult. I think that's a good advice for everyone. Don't listen to Q. He's always a trickster. Sixth most niche podcast of the seven I listened to by Admiral Lizarati. Um, STTNC. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hear Britney Spears more than the no times you were expecting. <laughs> Fun reviews of even the, the grueling first two seasons of TN, TNC. TNG. Ha ha, you made a mistake, friend. <laughs> By two hosts who love Star Trek as much as they love to insult each other. Uh, we do have fun. Um, so those are the admirals, and here we've got uh, a couple of different entries in the United Federation of Planets President Circle, Matt. This, what two? Uh, there may be. This is see, amazing. There are three. This is incredible. Three this week. You get into the United Federation of Planets President Circle by donating to us at our email, which is sttncpod at gmail, and apparently you can do that through PayPal. I know every week I say. Something that indicates I don't understand how, but the truth is I really don't. (laughs) Um, Anyway, Cameron Harris sent us $25. Thank you, Cameron. Cameron. Um, And uh, she says, Dear Matt and Andy, please accept my application to join the UFP presidency. I have two requests with this donation. More snark theater, which was a new feature last week. Oh, sure. Um, And uh, more inside baseball. Honestly, I've been going through a rough patch. Andy, I feel you. Did I say it was? Uh, I mean, my Andy, my life is in. It's, it's implied. It's just. <laughs> it's not even a patch. It's the same as ever. It's, that's a, yeah. I think that's the problem. It's I, not a patch. Andy's it's, highway is one <laughs> big pothole. <laughs> um, Cameron, I'm I'm glad that your your whole life isn't uh, isn't a patch. Um, and the podcast has been a welcome bright spot. Keep up the good work on this hot mess and keep on trekking. Thanks, Cameron. Um, thank you, Cameron. Um, Andrew Harkins sent us $51.03 because that's three times 1701. Oh, my God. That's incredible. A huge amount of money and a vote uh, to not edit our podcast, which was interesting. Your mistakes. Oh, to not edit it down. You want to keep the mistakes in there. Are the lifeblood of my commute, he says. <laughs> I wish I could uh, touch and go down warp to work. But last, I'm relegated to a shuttlecraft and need your unedited pad- podcast as entertainment to survive it. And the last, uh, you know, rather mm-hmm. rather meager donation uh, in comparison was uh, from D- Drew DeFonso Marks. We're not Marks. comparing here in the United Federation. Uh, of I am. Drew DeFonso Marks took a recent shot at me on Twitter. Oh, I see. And he sa- sent us 1709. Drew is a very good friend of mine. And his, uh, his presence is welcome. On the as a podcast listener, seventeen oh nine. No, seven oh nine. Seven dollars and nine cents. Oh, I see. And his comment is: Hope this amount doesn't arouse Andy's strike zone too much. <laughs> 
All right. And, All right. Uh, that's it. And that was the Admiral's Club. Uh, and to show we're putting that... Uh, oh, boy. Captain, we are being hailed. Hailed. Going right into it. I guess so. Sorry, did you? Have I was gonna say to show that we are putting that uh, those donations to good use. We have recently acquired a new Zoom H6N for the podcast because the headphone jack was broken on the last one. Uh, very excited about that, and uh, we have uh, we have enlisted the help of a human being who will be taking all of these raw files and uh, making a podcast out of it. Very, um, but very now are excited. we are we having it's a her right? Yes. Uh, are we having her correct no. mistakes or not having her correct? The I think anything crazy, uh-huh. you know. And I, you know, we can both be like, well, we should take that or that, right? But I think you're our regular normal flubs, right? When we said those, yeah. those racist things about the Benzites and yeah, the Benzites, the uh, Mexicans, uh, <laughs> the Canadians as well, uh, <laughs> the Cubans. I think you've been doing uh, a private podcast, Scottish. <laughs> Uh, oh, and of course, the Koreans. I mean, it's just, Andy, uh, you're out of control. These are aliens? Or these are... <laughs> Alien to <laughs> I must us. not be up to this point in the, in the, uh, in the show. Anyhow, A.G. Springer, who is uh, an entry... This podcast is not actually racist. <laughs> Thank you for the disclaimer for yeah. both of us. A.G. Springer, who uh, entered the United Federation of Planets President Circle last week... Uh-huh. Says, uh, hey guys, props to Matt for pronouncing pronouncing my name right, um, because you were the one who, who likened it to Steve Ag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, I am a male. We did. We weren't sure. Uh, according to one of the trivia tidbits, and this addresses uh, I had uncovered during the podcast, which caused a lot of controversy between Matt and I, a whole subplot uh, <laughs> with a character named Rena. Controversy. <laughs> you were very... Uh, we were so close to the end, I wanted to be done. Very grouchy about this amazing unco- discovery I made. Um, anyway, uh, um, uh, AG sent us this information off of IMDb. Uh, Chief O'Brien was a last-minute addition to the episode's teleplay. Originally, the story featured a young engineering genius named Rena, whose beauty oh. causes her male colleagues to repeatedly experience pratfalls. <laughs> sounds hilarious. Oh, sounds <laughs> like... like classic next-generation comedy. <laughs> um, and Excellent. Who, al- who also had a romantic subplot with LaForge. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, showrunner Maurice Hurley... Oh, boy. Found the character obnoxious and deleted her when he rewrote the, the teleplay, replacing her with Comini's, until then, this is interesting, unnamed. unnamed. He was not O'Brien. So on the one hand... Well, who gets the creator credit for him? Uh, I, it's, I assume it's the credited writers from last week. So who must have cleaned up. With Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That's insane. Or do we say that because he was in... Oh, good question. Because he was in the pilot, unnamed. He existed. We got to call the WGA Does Gene Roddenberry on that. get it? That is a good question for when we have somebody on the podcast who knows. Those of you uh, catching up, maybe don't listen to this podcast often, uh, Writers Guild of America, you do get a residual payment for characters that are used over and over if you are credited with creating them. So because Chief O'Brien Calamini's character was not named, does that mean that him getting a name in this episode gives those people the credit uh, the writing credit uh, for inventing Chief O'Brien. 
if that is the case, then those people stand to collect like you know two hundred dollars every time the character is used. I and think he it's was like a used. Thousand. I don't know what it was in the day. I don't know what it was in the day. Let's say between two hundred and a thousand dollars every time he's used, and he was used on a hundred and eighty episodes of uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, that was quite the pretty penny. I mean, come on. You think you think the writers made a lot? What about Kamini? Yeah, I mean, he I know. must have. <laughs> yeah, so this guy must have. He just really cleaned up. A lot of money. Like, oh, I mean, that guy's. Um, but it was fascinating. Is also just to look at it from a show business perspective of like, here he was just going to be a background character, even though he did a great job every time he threw him the ball. Mm-hmm. And just because, uh, <laughs> I really, really have to say, the terminology of, he thought this character, this female that comes in here, she's an obnoxious character. I don't like her. I don't like it when when Gates McFadden questions my decisions. I don't like this girl, this character. So she's gone, and I'm promoting Chief. I'm going to call him O'Brien. <laughs> you do the best uh, Maurice Hurley impersonation anyone's ever seen. I think I'm competing with no one, but I appreciate uh, the no, compliment. No, that's exactly anyway. right. Yes. Uh, so here's the deal. He appeared in 44 episodes. 44, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. He appeared in 49 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh-huh. And he appeared in 100 and... One hundred seventy-four episodes of Deep Space Nine. Uh huh. So that's two hundred twenty-three episodes entirely. Yeah. And we have to multiply that by something. You want to look up in one of our free times? So here's the deal. He's credited in in the following. He's credited in the following ways. Are you ready? Uh huh. Bridge Battle Con. So he's Bridge Battle Con in Encounter at Farpoint. Uh huh. Security guard one, huh? At some point, interesting. And then Chief O'Brien. This is blowing my mind. Crazy. You know that Special once every year on Deep Space Nine they would uh, torture Chief O'Brien in an episode. So he was like the. Uh, they always like. He was him. like the checkoff of the Deep Space Nine era. Yeah, in the sense, but they put his character through hell at least once a year. Trying to see if I can find character payments on the WGA. I think it's fine, Andy. I don't think we need to get into that right now. All right. Let's get back to our hails. Um, even if it was... I mean, you're going to look up what character payment for fucking 1989's contract? Yeah, I'm not going to find that. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's go to this... Uh, Maybe that's what the strike was over. <laughs> uh, let's go to this uh, a friendly voicemail um, that, that if you want to call in, you can call us at uh, 816-TREK-TNC. Mm. Here's a friend of ours from Houston. Oh. Hey, Matt and Andy. It's Boyd from uh, Houston. I'm just sitting here waiting on Harvey to hit the coast, listening to your newest podcast. Wanted to pick a bone with Matt about the, uh, the fact that you seem to think that Star Trek TNC listeners, I don't like Star Trek or don't like steak. I, I love steak and I love Star Trek. And I'm going to tell you right now, Andy, I don't know when I'm coming to LA, but when I am, be ready. Me and my wife are going to take you. You're going to be the third wheel. going to take you to Mastro's. It'll be great. going to have steak. going to have a great night. My wife will be asking the entire time who the hell you are and That's what is sure. Star Trek TNC. It's going to be magical. Just, just enjoy the steak, buddy. Just enjoy the steak. Steak rules, Star Trek rules. 
Thanks, guys. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you, Boyd. Boyd, we hope you're safe. We hope you're dry. Godspeed. Please let us know uh, by calling us back. We'd send a shuttlecraft if we had one. And when you come out to L.A., Mastro's is on us. Um, And we're going to make you get the butter cake at the end. Oh, absolutely. The delicious butter cake. I've never seen us order that to work. Uh, you've seen me. I may have. Have hid- you ordered it? I may have hidden it because I didn't want to be mocked because I'm already ordering the lobster mashed potatoes and the steak and like a hundred dollars past That's what we're allowed at work. I never see us. Or- I mean, we never order dessert, even uh, even when we're in full fuck it mode. Uh, I do. All right. Well, Andy, I feel like you should stop hiding and just be you. <laughs> I don't really uh, hide it that much. <laughs> uh, Daisy at work said to uh-huh. said to me the other day because there's a lot of discussion about diets at work and <laughs> what people eat. Literally, all we talk about. I generally do not hide the fact that I'm a, a, an uncontrollable glutton, and uh, it wasn't until she saw me go to town the other night she's like you know you talked about it a lot and i keep thinking like eh come on it can't be true you really have a problem she said to me (laughs) and you know what she's right guys if you haven't never googled andy secunda look up a picture of him and then you tell me what the fuck is happening because how does he stay so thin i'm a feast or famine kind of it's crazy i don't understand it hence probably an eating disorder um, so Matthew By the way, I want you to know, when you Google Andy Secunda, the suggested website is Brian Husky's website. <laughs> is it really? Yes. That may be because Brian Husky was uh, cast as Andy Secunda in the Goldbergs because they That's will not right. cast me That's on the right. show. That's exactly my right. friend and improv mate, Brian Husky, since we're on the topic, uh, I play I improv, improvise with Brian Husky every Friday at 9.30 at, uh, at a show called Soundtrack for a half an hour at the UCB Franklin. Uh, if you're in Los Angeles, please go see Andy do a lot of improv. He does it constantly. The guy will not fucking stop. Matt is angered because uh, I couldn't go to Vegas with him this weekend because That's I was all I want. doing improv shows. Um, and then every first Saturday of the month, I perform with The Swarm, my long-term uh, improv I, team with Andy Daly and um, Sean Conroy and Billy Merritt at UCB Sunset at 9 every first Saturday of the month. I am delighted by the fact that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, six, UCB stands for Upright Citizens Brigade also. People FYI. Come on. Some of them don't. Uh, seven, seven rows down on your photos is the picture of you and I stuck on the Jurassic Park ride. <laughs> <laughs> that was really was that that was prior to the podcast oh that was way that was that was oh, a year ago wow um my uh my what's the thing called my time shift time what's shift time hop no the thing when it turns your screen red oh night shift night shift <laughs> i just clicked in on my map oh um, that's what time it is here, guys. It's time for sweep, Andy. Oh, I gotta go to sleep. The screen. Yes, Andy's got to sleep. He's a cuckoo bird. <laughs> He's not getting enough. The sleep. great sleepy cuckoo bird of the galaxy. <laughs> um, okay. I see. No character's gonna eat this much food. <laughs> <laughs> what is Riker supposed to? He's a, it's, it's, the food's moving around. There'd be, there'd be no room for him in the ship. What is this? Some kind of science fiction show? <laughs> um, yes, Matthew from Liverpool. Uh, writes us. My sister's moving there. Jolin True, Matt and Andy. I'm not going to no, bother. Please I don't. Just trying to do Although it was thing. almost. Is it close? It was Liverpool. I was curious Pudli- to know if you were aware of the Liver original theme for TNG. <laughs> I'm nowhere you're near it. it. You're losing it. I'm uh, nowhere near it. Please read in your normal voice. All right. I was curious to know if you were aware of the original theme for TNG. Have you heard it? 
I did not know I there was. I was listening to a little snippet of it before, and I think you're going to be delighted. I did not know there was. The Jerry a Goldsmith one. theme was a late replacement for the theme written by uh, the in-house composer. Oh, no. Um, I've whacked the link in the email. Here it is. Uh, mm-hmm. As Enterprise proved that no matter how good a show is, oftentimes uh, it can be negated by an unpalatable theme. Live long and prosper. Here is your alternate Star Trek theme. Um, oh, I'm waiting One for it. One moment. Okay. Wait for it. <laughs> it sounds like a parody of a Star Trek no, show. No, it sounds... Um, this is probably going to be the theme to the Orville, by the way. You think so? Um... No, it sound, you know what it sounds like to me? Someone doing a knockoff of John Williams' Superman score. Yep, sounds a little bit like that, too. I don't believe this. It's crazy. You think this doesn't exist? It's listed on YouTube as Star Trek Next Generation Alternate Main Theme, but I guess that proves nothing. But, like, that, those first horn hits, weren't those Goldsmith? Yeah, I think it starts the same way that the other one does, except it's a little bit longer. And the the actual one from the show goes into the the original kind of thing, and then it. Oh, you're saying that it's Goldsmith, and then it bypasses. Yeah, I'm like I, this is very I don't know. confusing. That's to me. what it was doing. I'd like to know more about this. If you have more information, please write in and let me know more information about this song. Also, I could just look it up myself. He's very busy, guys. No, let's not. I don't. I, I some people, a couple people tweeted that they're like, "We get it. You're busy. <laughs> it feels bad. Like you're you're cheating on other people with Andy. Whatever it was, some something to those effects." And and I've decided we're not going to talk about how busy I am anymore. Uh, okay, we're right. going to just do this podcast for the love of doing this podcast. I would just say, guys, you know, I think I found that I think I have a thicker skin, even though people outright call me an asshole out there. Than Matt does with the the comments, so people be nice to Matt. Matt's going through a tough time. It's not. That's not. Not true. I've been taking it for ten years. <laughs> well, buddy. that is true. <laughs> taking taking the internet's beatings. I don't, for, I don't know spent, how I would survive. Spent a little time in the uh, old uh, AV Club uh, comment section. You've seen the shit I've taken. Well, sure. Those those people are the the snobbiest of the snobs. Indeed, indeed. Um. Not like us. Nope, <laughs> we are. Totally forgiving Star Trek podcast. We forgive everything. <laughs> Steve says, when the child David, this is uh, regarding... Um, David, the uh, clone, the uh, genetically engineered super child. Yes. When he's taken out of stasis, he reaches out telepathically to Dr. Pulaski. It is obvious he is very strong, a very strong telepath and that he can converse with a non-telepath so easily. Yet Data gets nothing from this. How can a weak telepath such as Troy sense data and graves minds in the schizoid man. Mm-hmm. But a strong telepath is ineffective with the android in this instance. Sloppy continuity. Uh, that is sloppy continuity. I'll, I'll chalk that up. No problem. Done. Agreed. Chalked. Um, and the last one uh-huh. is a clip of... Uh, that uh, our friend Greg from Canada sent I like us. some multimedia, yeah. Um, and it's uh, Gates McFadden explaining why she really left Trek. And I thought oh, it might be... After a Dr. Pulaski-heavy episode, I feel like this is a great time to hear. Might be apropos. It wasn't the time. It was a very male-oriented show. 
and um, there's several things. I think once Wesley's character was, there was such a backlash against his character. Now there's not, because people realize the millennials are so smart and they are not afraid of technology and they are coming up with the solutions and the answers. But at that time, people were like, oh, come on, how can he, you know, save, save our ass episode after episode? And actually, it very much was modeled after, I'm sure, his, his own son and his son's friends who are so smart. At any rate, I, I had been on the faculty of a lot of universities, graduate schools, and conservatories, and I was always just mind. And I think that I was intimidated, and when you get intimidated, sometimes you have, a, have your back up a little in a certain way, but I, I would speak up against, I spoke up against an episode I thought was racist, and I really spoke up against a couple things that I really thought were um, misogynistic, and I thought um, also a that, yep. that the writing was what they had between even Wesley and Dr. Crusher. Again, it was what I was I, I referred to before. I think that that there there could have been a richer relationship than just uh, only on the emotional level. And one writer in particular, who was a writer producer, I, I really rubbed him the wrong way. And oh, who was it? I was very uh, shocked <laughs> to learn that he's, this is what I've heard, that he said that either she goes or I go. So I was fired. And um, Did someone in the audience there say was what? a big no. outcry from fans, actually. I mean, I received uh, thousands of texts from you. Either she goes or I go. And it's actually... Thank you. I'm the voice of Star Trek. Is this called Star Trek? Because I was so scared of fans. I'm the voice of Space Vice. And everything when I was first doing it. Because I was stalked and was terrified by sort of being in public places at the time. And everything changed when I got these letters and I started reading. Anyway, that's the main main thing. And then she goes on to say some very nice things about uh, the fans. One... Gates McFadden, yeah. keeping it together. It looks like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's a dancer. She's, uh, she's a dancer. That's, the, that's what yeah. happens with these dancers. Well, then I'm sure that I'll hold up over time as well. These dancer bodies. These, um, these uh, Mikhail Barishnikovs. These uh, Bernadette Peterses. These so, are the only two professional dancers I can make. <laughs> I'm impressed you came up with that many. Um, Gregory Hines has passed, so. Like great, but, but he great. Had, but he but also you, looked yeah. right amazing to the end. right till the end. Looked better than you or I. It's well, all right. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know that that motherfucker. He he told me I looked worse than Gregory Hines the other day. It's just like you know I don't need to hear that. Um, anyway, the other thing I was going to say is uh, so much respect for her. You've got a how is your physical comedy? What you, oh, pretty I feel good. Like you, you, you have the body of like a Dan Laurel of like. I'll tell a, you this, and this is tooting my own horn. Toot it, buddy. I did a bit when I was a writer on Late Night with Conan. Uh-huh. I, I shot all day um, um, with uh, Three's Company star uh, John Ritter, John Ritter, Jack Tripper, Late great John Ritter, um, who also looked better than Andy to the end. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can say that about any number of people. The list will be endless. Um, and that guy, first of all, let me say, that guy, he had injured his leg, but uh-huh. we had a bit where he was running away because someone was trying to force him to be on our show was the uh-huh. bit. Uh-huh. Running, going down slides all day long. 
he was he was just just such a pro and as nice as could be. So that's A. But then B, uh, we didn't plan for this one thing where he runs past a guy who's coming out of a store and he knocks him down. Uh-huh. And so someone said, "All right, it's going to you you be it." So uh-huh. he did it. And he knocked me down, and I did a full-on like flip around. Ooh. And he comes over and he goes, "You know, that was one of the best falls I've ever seen in my life." It's like from him, wow. from the, the the clown prince of Pratt Falls. Andy, so that's how good I am. I'm so proud of you. Thank uh, you. Uh, your career should have gone much better. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, how many times a night do I say that to myself as I wake up and stare at the ceiling? Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, the other thing I was going to say was uh, she all the things she's saying about the script, about the the, the racism that we ourselves have pinpointed. Mm-hmm. I can't. This woman clearly was on our side the whole time she wanted a more depthful relationship between her and her sociopath son she totally i'm sure she wanted beverly to be more competent which is my big talking point about her it's very impressive um and the last thing is of course hurley must have been the one who booted her (laughs) and it's just yet another thing i mean there's no there's no instead of just question hurley is just I, gotta, I want to get some writers on this podcast and really ask the inside scoop. I agree. Hopefully there's some way we can get in contact with some writers. Boy, there's <sighs> only some sort of social situation that involved media of sorts. I, I just don't know. Oh, well. I guess it'll never be solved, Matt. <laughs> That's all we got for the hills. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we're recording this a little early this week because of Labor Day weekend and my desire to not be in town for one day. So, that being said, Andy. Yes. Why don't we take a trip down Star Trek Lane? All right. We are talking about A Matter of Honor, which was production number 134 and aired the week of February 6th, 1989. What was happening, Andy? Matthew, my childhood sweetheart, Paula Abdul. Uh, and I don't mean uh, like I was a sweetheart of her, but I loved her when I was a kid. This, like, I was finding it somehow reasonable that you had dated her. <laughs> it would have been amazing if that came out on the podcast. <laughs> That's why I'd been hiding that. Uh, her hit straight up led the U.S. pop charts... And in the UK, something's gotten hold of my heart by Mark Almond, featuring Gene Pitney again, still on top. Dean Koontz's Midnight began its best-selling run, and Rain Man enjoyed its sixth week, sixth week as the number one movie. Uh-uh. Polish uh-uh. roundtable talks took place in Warsaw, Poland. Uh, former NBA point guard and all-star Johnny Flynn was born. Born? Uh, yeah, he was born. Chris. Already out of the league. Jeffrey, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, was the last person it's, uh, to be... It's Gethard. <laughs> Gethard was the last person. Chris Gethard. <laughs> Not really a friend of the podcast, but a friend of mine. Uh, well, although I bet he would love to be on. I don't know. If that's... Well, listen, he's got a promo his show. we got to figure out a way to get guests on the show. It's because of our schedules. He does. The, if you haven't watched the Chris Gethard show, watch it. It looks like a fucking hoot. It's wonderful. Tune in. 
uh, was the last person to be shot and killed. That was the person we just interrupted this guy's oh, obituary. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> well, trying to escape the Berlin, across the Berlin Wall. That oh, was no. Uh, and the Time Magazine cover was Armed America. More guns, more shootings, more massacres. Ironic in light of all the things that have happened since then. Well, thank God we solved that problem Jesus and put it behind Christ. us. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? I'm going to let this be the background to me reading the description of this episode from Larry Nemechek's Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. All right. In a new exchange program, Riker becomes the first Starfleet officer to serve aboard a Klingon vessel. He throws himself into the job, taking a crash course in Klingon culture and cuisine from Worf. Meanwhile, the same program brings the young Benzite Mendon aboard the Enterprise, but a cultural difference nearly destroys the ship <laughs> when he lags. Uh, it's not entirely accurate. When he lags in reporting the presence of a hull-eating bacteria aboard the Klingon cruiser Pog, Worf. Uh, uh, sorry, Riker uses Worf's lessons to gain respect from his new captain and subordinates. He enjoys a hearty meal with the Pog crew members and banters with its women. But the discovery of the bacteria on the Klingon ship leads its captain, Cargon, to brand Riker a traitor and order an attack on the Enterprise. Riker uses an emergency transponder given to him by Worf to beam Cargon off the sh- off the bridge when he dismisses the Enterprise's warnings, making Riker captain long enough to demand the surrender of the Starfleet ship to preserve the Klingons' honor. I mean, it's got it all. Why not? This is a... Sorry, I'm still enjoying this. All right, that fade, that's fading out, so that means I can go back into Star Trek Town. Okay. Well, Andy. Yeah. Gotta say. Oh, you didn't say, should they watch this episode? I say, watch this episode. Oh, 100%. I, I really enjoyed this, this episode, episode a lot. I had a better time watching this than I thought I would. Oh, really? I started watching it at lunch today at work, and I finished watching it on the way home from work. <laughs> well, that sounds safe. It's the safest way to drive through Los Angeles traffic. You better hope you're not in an accident. This is uh, going to be used against you. A what? A what? <laughs> The kind of stuff they dig out. Is that our captain's log? This is our captain's log. We are approaching Starbase 179, sir. I have impulse, Mr. Crusher. Going to have impulse. I think Data has a cold in this. Captain, this is the bridge. We've arrived <laughs> at Starbase 179. Well, Acknowledge Brent's number one. It. Establish position 090, mark 345, at 27,000 kilometers. Hailing frequencies. Open. Starbase 179, this is the Enterprise. Enterprise, this is Starbase 179. We're ready for transfer on your mark. Thank you. Commander Data, you have the bridge. Ensign Crusher, you're with me. Why? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so we can have the Mendon scene, obviously. But the Mendon scene is no the most uncomfortable scene in all of Star Trek uh, Season 2 so far. The one where Wesley thinks he's Mordok? Yeah. Now. Let's let's hear the accidental racism. Welcome aboard the Enterprise. I'm Commander William Riker, your first officer. Those of you who are here as replacements can step outside and follow Lieutenant Lewis. He will assign you to your crew quarters. I don't know who all those other people were. Ensign, you're here on the exchange program. If you would just follow Mr. Crusher. 
Mordok, what are you doing here? You couldn't have graduated the academy already. I am not Mordok. I am Mendon. Ensign Mendon from the planet Benzar. Sorry. It's a friend of mine. You look just like him. We are from the same geostructure. Naturally, we look alike. How do you tell each other apart? We just do. We're not racist. I'm the same way about white dudes. <laughs> now, please show me my room, Commander Riker. Oh, I'm Wesley. Oh, there's three of you. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> would have been fucking spectacular. Oh, if only they had me in the room. By the way, when did the Enterprise get a phaser range? <laughs> oh, gosh. That is the craziest nice to have you scene. Here, there will be a briefing and indoctrination session in 15 minutes. I will be showing you the works of Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> tell you how happy I am to be assigned to the Enterprise. It wasn't just luck. I requested it. I know I can be of great help to the... Sh- Yawn. I was wondering if you had any feelings about the officer exchange program initiated by Starfleet Command. Just positive one, sir. Actually, I just... Sir, why did you just tell me it was initiated by Starfleet Command? I know that. (laughs) It's a weird sentence coming out of your mouth. I'm just like to make things clear, you know, just remind everybody where we are, what's going on. I said I wouldn't mind the assignment, sir. Any particular reason? Because nobody's ever done it before. Well, I'll inform Starbase of your acceptance. They'll contact the Klingon vessel and make the arrangements. By the way, what do you think? Do you think the phaser range is a room? Do you think it's a... Uses some holodeck technology to not fire off real phaser blasts. What do you think? I mean, I can I can tell you if you oh, want me wait, to what? look in the uh, you have information. Script. I can look in the script and tell you what oh, the, I know. You hate the script again. Just gonna read out loud. Whatever the case, it's definitely weird and creepy that it's all in the dark and uh, and it's very strange. That I like it. I think it's cool that they go in and they practice back to back. It's a little odd. I think that's the best formation. If you're beaming down somewhere, that's how you're gonna beam down. You know but what I they mean? never beam down that way. They always beam down lined they, up. You'll someday see it. Oh, really? You'll someday see it when they're beaming into a situation like yeah, it's that. It's the phaser range. Commander Riker, report to the phaser range, please. It's Picard's calm voice. Does the, is the phaser range described in the next scene? Interior yes. phaser range. Day? Phaser what do range. they say? Close on target. Optical. As it is say, zapped. Do they say day or night? Do they give anything like that? Because it's, it's ship, never it day or matter. night. It's on a ship. I know. Uh, no, it just but says close on target. It, no, they only say exterior space, the okay, Enterprise. thank you. All right, I'm not, I'm Jesus just saying. Jesus Christ, Dan. As it is zapped by a phaser beam and flashes a burst of light and a change of color, then another one next to it, the camera pulls back to show Riker and Picard at the firing station, almost back to back and firing light targets that appear in an arc around them. Well, that's Picard cool. fires off two blasts of his own phaser. The targets are hit. I like that. It's very well described. Yes, and I can already tell by a brief glance that this script is much more true to the final episode. Um, do you think that's because three people wrote the teleplay and one guy wrote the story? <laughs> Could be. Um, 
I wonder if, well, never mind. What? I was going to just talk about our scripts and how we often will try to make descriptions as short as possible until we meet with production departments and then go back and make them as long as possible. (laughs) Well, we try to make them short so that we can hit page lengths and fool our producer, who really is never fooled by anything. Never been fooled. (laughs) Never been fooled. Um, Into thinking that it will cost less. Uh, This episode gave Jonathan Frakes his meatiest role to date. He and director Rob Bowman both sank their teeth into it. Every day was Jonathan and I doing high fives and trying to put forth on film all the energy and spirit and adventure that was in the script. The director said, in one particular nice scene, Riker trains on the firing range as he tries to become ambidextrous in his use of the phaser. So that's what Riker's doing. He's tossing his phaser back and forth between hands. Hmm. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Thanks, Larry. Friend um, of the podcast, Larry Nemechek. Yeah, I do. I think Rikers just this is. I mean, I you know, I've I, I, I've slowly grown to really appreciate Riker from my early feelings of him being too smug and smiley. Um, but he's definitely a badass in this episode. He's so. I mean, great. You're, you're getting you're getting like you're getting the best of Frakes here. I think you're getting the best of Frakes. You're getting the best of Riker in this episode. Um, I was recently watching an episode of uh, Heart to Heart that Jonathan Frakes played the bad guy in. Really? Yeah. From 1982, I think. On the note of deep dives, uh, John Hutch, uh, John Putch, who plays, I believe, Mordock and uh, Mendon, um, has had a long career. Uh, it was in uh, One Day at a Time. He was in Seinfeld as Roy in The Stranded. I don't know that episode. Um, he was... In Hill Street Blues, Family Ties, a bunch of stuff. And he's been directing for many years mm. now. He did APB, uh, Rush Hour, Cougar Town, comedy, and hour long. Uh, the middle? No Goldbergs, though. <laughs> Maybe we should have men. We should. Uh, there was a Mordock action figure made in 1993. I know. I was thinking about getting that one instead of the Beverly one. I mean, that would have been really something would you prefer that behold. as opposed to no, prostitute listen, beverly, beverly is uh, proudly displayed in my um office yeah hanging next to of course my photo of uh of uh my drawing of of cisco yeah. holding painting. a baseball yeah oil painting i believe oh my god it's amazing i mean it's not an, the actual oil painting would you want the actual oil painting if it was how big would it be Real expensive. <laughs> how big? How big? Um, how big was it, and how much did it cost? I think it was about this. Uh, Andy's holding, uh, not at all explaining how large something is. So I think a movie poster is twenty-four by thirty-six. It's probably about half. Okay. And how much was it? Uh, I, I don't want to. Uh, we shouldn't be talking about this because someone's just going to buy it. And if someone, do, I think we should certainly plug the artist all right it, we already we already did do on you the think podcast. she's gonna be sad if someone there, buys this no but i will be sad that i didn't get it for you if you really wanted it so if you want really want it you're gonna have to tell me before we air this uh we have uh, plenty of time it's five hundred dollars that's not that's it's not, not too bad, so bad. i was right for, on that, the edge for the quality of that thing I I, if i hadn't not... gotten you the other presents already I yeah might no have just i totally understand it. that's i gotta say not bad not bad not a bad price for that know. quality of work yeah. heather great job maybe you'll be surprised headed for a rendezvous with the klingon vessel park i have informed the staff of commander riker's temporary assignment 
I have studied and know everything about my heritage. Then you're just the person I need to talk to to clear something up. It's been my understanding that one of the duties of the first officer of the Klingon vessel is to assassinate his captain? Yes, sir. Wouldn't that bring about <laughs> chaos? Of course not. See, when and if the captain becomes weak or unable to perform, it is expected that his honorable retirement should be assisted by his first. Your second officer will assassinate you for the same reasons. The method of attrition must take a little getting used to. The Klingon system has operated successfully for centuries. Except for the fact it is different. The Klingon Emperor has crumbled. Many things will be different. Well, they eventually get into a civil war. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But we'll all be... What do you think of... Uh, I'm going to keep calling him Mordok. Okay. Men done. What do you think of John John Plutch? Putch. Putch. What do you think of Mendon? What do you think of the character of Mendon? The character of Mendon is... uh, I guess it's very specific. He's annoying in a a very specific way. I'm not sure what the purpose Mm -hmm. of that subplot is. How old do you think he is? Because John Plutch does not look that old right now. He doesn't. I can tell you if you you care, but I... Yeah, I'm curious because I wonder if the casting people were like, we need someone Wesley's age. When in reality, it's like, you're putting him in full fucking makeup. He was born in 61, so... So he was in in his late 20s. Yeah. Huh. Must have been exciting for him. I bet it was. Um, I guess... I guess... Well, there's the weird thing of like, we're going to use Mordok... But we're not gonna. We're gonna have him be a different person. This all is. This all is back to my thing of Star Trek being the cheapest fucking franchise in the realm of character payments. Right. So and they wanted. All, yeah. And it all stems back, I think, to. I mean, either they wanted the fucking moment of racism between Wesley. Uh huh. Or it feels like that was more of a a thing to cover the fact that they yes. were using the same. Yeah. By the way, they also don't use. There's nothing coming out of it, coming out of his vape. Uh, some of device the until later in the show yeah um his vape device <laughs> and <laughs> i don't vaping, know what, what what do you got there little cherry, little cherry mix nice. <laughs> i don't know how mendon kept his cool when there's nothing coming out of his vape device <laughs> <laughs> um but what i was saying was like is this just a simple thing of like let's use that character stays that character stays that character someone sees it and goes mm, no we gotta change this we can't pay this person pay who whoever wrote the episode with mordock oh no it couldn't have been for character payment i think that would have been too small but that's but what the, they did with fucking paris Tom but that's paris because they Voyager. knew but they knew paris was going to be a, a major character that they were going to have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for it's still totally cheap and gross but i think twenty four thousand dollars a year to use that character I do for the production there, of the show? I there mean, must on. be some story reason why they decided to make it. And I assume it's like, all right, we'll have we'll have him act. Maybe it's because if it was Mordok, then Mordok wouldn't be as ignorant as Mendon about uh Starfleet protocol because he'd already been through into Starfleet. Mm. So that's probably the reason. But it's all very strange. Maurice Hurley yes. intended this story to be a reverse spin on Worf's situation aboard a human ship, and it became one of the bright spots of the second season, scoring a 12-2 rating. Uh-huh. That's insanity. What do we have? We are... Like a negative we, sometimes four? Sometimes <laughs> we get a two. Sometimes we get a two. Yeah. If we're lucky. Yeah. Uh, one... So this is this is insane. 12-2. Good God. Uh, and that was off network. <laughs> TNG's highest rating to that point. 
the Nielsen We're television in industry, index guys. used for syndication programs. Uh-huh. Uh, Klingons are heard here to use kilometers as a unit of measure, even though kelecams had been used in Star Trek Three. Mm-hmm. The heart of a Targ, Worf's one-time pet, uh, is a delicacy here, as well as its milk. Gog, pronounced gok. No. Uh, actually, long brown noodles and root vegetables. According to prop master Alan Sims, it is best served live. While Rokeg Blood Pie later learned to be a wharf favorite in the episode Family, which we'll see later in season, it'll be in season four, you'll see that episode, uh, was actually bottoms up turnip and roots in pumpkin pies and all dyed red. Uh, as usual, the show ran long, and one cut scene used a miniature for the board of Bird of Prey's engineering room. The Bird of Prey, by the way, looks amazing in this episode, I thought. I wonder if they're using shots I think the from... Bird of Prey may be my favorite Star Trek ship. Oh, that's interesting. Or maybe my favorite off, you know, off Federation. Non-Federation yeah, ship. Non-Federation. My favorite non-Federation ship. Although I do like the Romulan Warbird, which I sleep to every night. So That's who knows? Great but, question. But the, uh, but oh, the Klingon you, Bird of Prey from Star you like Trek the, uh, hum 3 of the, and 4. Uh, artificial black hole that's used to power the engines. Oh, that's is cool. that what that is? Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, after seven outings, Meanie's character finally gets a last name, O'Brien. Another two years would pass before viewers learned his first and middle names. Uh, Miles? Yep, Miles. Her Harold? I don't no, know. Miles. It's H, isn't it? Miles. Miles. It's Miles Davis O'Brien. <laughs> what is Miles O'Brien's? Miles Chief. Miles. Miles Niles O'Brien. There's so many people uh, screaming at the at the uh, speaker right now. That should be a segment. Frustrate the the hardcore Trekkies. Well, uh, it is Trekkies. Did we talk about that? I think we already talked about this. I think yes. People stick with Trekkies now. I, I well, that's how I feel. At some point, there was a Trekkers movement. Miles. Miles Edward O'Brien. My God, I can't believe I didn't fucking know that. Well, I no, I mean I knew it, but I just had forgotten it. You gotta be easy on yourself, man. I had forgotten it. Anyway, back to Mordock. Yes. Efficient enough. Of course, a minor change of the helm readout would be much more helpful in emergency situations. You've never had any problems with it. Have you seen it work? Not a practical exercise, but in theory, my theory. It would be more than a marginal improvement. I'll have to mention this to the captain. He is open to some astute observations. You know what I never noticed until this I've very episode? never known the captain not to listen but, um, to his officers. Wesley's Delta does not have gold. It's only silver. I think there might have been some comment on the on the uniforms in this episode soon we'll get things well i also think by the way just from my eye i think this is the first time i've noticed the colored stripe on the pant leg oh really yeah i don't even know that uh i'll show you in a wide shot they're not in it right now but on the pant on the boot cut over the pant leg i will say as uh as sorry didn't mean to no go ahead you weren't interrupting anything um mordock uh even though they're reusing it uh as aliens with intense makeup go, really good makeup on Mordok. 
very I agree and I dropped my logical. microphone. I'm so sorry, everybody. I agreed and dropped my <laughs> microphone the at the same time. <laughs> well, I was trying to text uh, John to talk to him about to the, ask yeah, him about the uh, the boot cut. Okay. Why don't you play the next clip and then you'll have time. Well, great. <laughs> I remember this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, this is a gross scene. I don't know if I want to play. I'm going to just wait till Pulaski gets The beliefs are rather brutal, but usually what kills us kills them. Well, that's certainly good to know. Would you like something to drink? Uh, I'm abstaining in honor of your last hour on board. Your sacrifice will not go unnoticed. The amount of food he has in front of me is usually typical to me also. You're familiar with the practice of the feast before the transfer I've done it dozens of times. However, I usually made more palatable choices. Well, these are the more palatable choices. Thank you. He doesn't want it. We know so little about them. There really is so much to learn. Is that true? I can't buy that. That's crazy. I cannot buy that. I just don't. It's very strange. Oh, you know, I will also say the in this episode, I feel like they really kind of do nail the Klingon culture in a satisfying way when yeah. they present them. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why prior to this, it just seemed like they were waffling and so confused at how to present them and how much the Federation knew about them and... It just seems so all over the place. I mean, the history... I, mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the Klingons have been enemies of the Federation for a very long time, and you'd think that they'd have more intelligence, especially after the Alliance. Yeah. <sighs> what year is this? 89? So Undiscovered Country hadn't come out yet. So we essentially have... We have the original series and Star Trek 1 and 3. So they were just... They were still enemies. And four. Which is also something I, I find odd. There's a federation in the, you know, in Star Trek four, mm-hmm. there is a Klingon ambassador. Right. Who has full, you know, diplomatic standing in the federation. Uh-huh. Yet they're enemies. That is strange. There's a Romulan also. Well, that's even stranger. Um... Yeah, anyway, I'm sure someone knows the geo... They're not geopolitics, they're space politics. This is a great opportunity. I envy you, Mr. Riker. Oh! Handsomeness, your beard. Please, call me Will. Your eyes. J.K. LOL. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Everyone's really grossed out by this food. And I gotta say, a little hungry. Looks like sushi, really. <laughs> Looks like sushi. You're so silly, Andy. I'm not really a fan of sushi as much. I'll eat it. Do it, I dare you. If there's a pretty girl... Not very hospitable, it, are they? Which is almost always... That is not your concern. Observe your station, Ensign Menden. Whoopsie. Didn't mean to offend you. Awkward. You Yet. Remember that character I met that you invented? <laughs> oh, I see the he's got the full-on vaping is happening right now. Yeah. 
It's a long sequence of this is. I mean, they're really hammering home this scan. I don't. I just don't. What is what is what would you say the theme or intent of the Mendon subplot is? To show that uh, sometimes the ways of our culture can be strange to others. But they don't present him as... It's like the Klingons they present as kind of cocky and arrogant, but it kind of makes more sense in that they're, it's built on honor and, and, they're, and they're... I don't know. It's just like Mendon's kind of acting like a dick and it's not really clear why or how it's tied to his culture. It doesn't or, seem dickish to me. He's very he sort just of seems arrogant, like, isn't he? Well, you're yeah, doing it wrong. There's, there's I'll, I'll figure out a way to make you make it better for you. Arrogance, yes, but I think it's more like a um, seeming not a desire for personal gain. By the way, there's the same emotional arc from Mendon as there was from Mordok. Well, thank God Wesley knows how to deal with these things. Where they uh, <laughs> these things that was the most Benzite racist anti-Benzite comment you said. I didn't mean it like that. I meant <laughs> the things being the situation. I oh, okay. mean the I don't know why I'm defending racism against a fictional alien. We don't know what's out there, Matt. That's true. But I didn't um, mean it that way. If you're listening Benzites, is it do you refer to Jews as things too, Matt? Yes. Thing. You, me and your wife you things <laughs> um what was i gonna say uh oh so they it's the same it's the same emotional arc where he's cocky and super like eh, i'm well i'm gonna win all this at the beginning and then by the end he's like a crumbling mess going to west for help well because West I think these are delicate the people. These time. are delicate. These are delicate. You tell me people. that West doesn't see the scans that are happening on his thing. Oh, I'm sure he sees Psychopath it. West lets Mendon dig his own hole so that he's indebted to him for life. That's Andy's theory. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, John uh, John Cooley has written back. Uh, he says the colored stripes on the boot first showed up in episode one they were part of the original design for the season one and two space suits quote unquote that's the tng cast nickname for the uniforms and the department color piping on the boot cut was phased out when they transitioned to the far more comfortable season three two-piece uniforms i just noticed them this week because it was such a wide shot of them walking down the hallway hmm i know i know here we are Inconclusive. Inconclusive. Good luck, Commander. Thanks, O'Brien. I wouldn't want to go. Why? You're not afraid, are you? No, I'm not. I would be. Already, sir. I kind of dug this. Thanks. <laughs> Energize. I don't. I don't know if that stays true in O'Brien's character. But I love somebody who's the transporter chief <laughs> and has a tense unit to go. This seems like it's going to be bad. Okay, <laughs> energizing. <laughs> oh, you're beaming down there, huh? <laughs> Ugh. Seems Woo. very dangerous. Yeah, you know people is... have died on that planet. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know what? I'm having some problems with my systems here, so uh, don't worry about it. Good luck. <laughs> um. Oh, what I was going to say about the show business thing before is, can you imagine you're Colmini, you got this tiny thing, and then suddenly this other you know, plot is canceled, and you get this major kick-ass part, mm-hmm. and uh, it just becomes... What part is canceled? The, the girl part in the last episode. 
Oh, that part. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he even knows that a part existed. I wonder. We'll have to ask him when he's on. Calm. God, what if he was right here right now? What would we say well, to him? We had been burying it the entire time. <laughs> Let's do that with guests. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible idea. I don't know. We'll just we'll always find a, a, a casual way in. So in the in listener's head, there are hundreds of people that we could turn to at any second. Like we're on 10 forward, guys. Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, man. Or Quark's Bar on the promenade. Which I will never be to, because I wasn't, didn't go down in Vegas data. to see it. I've been observation. Let's Thank hear Menden. Here we go. Here we go. You spent a lot of time sir. on Menden. I am Ensign Menda. Well, I'm spending a lot of time on Menden because the only thing that happens on board the Enterprise involves Ensign Menden. Yes. Okay. I wanted to tell you how pleased I am to be aboard the Enterprise. Yes, of course. Uh, good to have you aboard. If you have a few minutes, I've noted a few procedural changes which might speed up operations on the bridge i pick things up very fast yes of course you See, do that's you have an excellent record and however here on the enterprise we use the chain of command you will report your observations to lieutenant wharf i beg your pardon captain i just wanted to impress upon no you no need to I... apologize ensign we should have explained it better to you at your indoctrination zing by the way, I'm only walking to the observation lounge because I needed to have this interaction. I'd normally be in my ready room. I gotta go look at a holod- hologram of some planets flying around. You know, around. I just have got to crack this orbit. <laughs> I'll be over here. Where's Captain Picard? He's, He's looking at that freaking orbit again. It's like a planet that doesn't obey gravity. I don't know why He's we got real. him that hologram. Proceed. Yes, Commander. Uh, listen to that. I just want to go to sleep right now, even though that's Klingon, not Romulan. I've never understood why Klingon ships are filthy. They don't prioritize comfort, Matt. They're warriors. They've got to have, like, terrible colds. <laughs> Maybe they built up an immunity to them. Why are we so cold in here? Commander William Riker of the Starship Enterprise. Report to the allergy correct. deck, Commander. I don't understand. You are Commander William Riker, first officer of the Klingon cruiser the Pa. Or do you intend to disobey Federation orders? I have no such intention, sir. Exactly where are your loyalties, Commander? I'm afraid I still don't understand, sir. This This is him being very obtuse. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It's a little ridiculous. Yes. He, he's got a lot of information. Maybe he's just playing possum? Maybe. Uh, he is very clever. Mm-hmm. And your position on this, Captain? I would say it is your first command decision. What do you think of this? The, uh, the, the face-off? Yeah. Love it i could not love it more this is the kind of thing i want star trek to be from top to bottom just him figuring his way out of he's in a situation he's got to be diplomatic but he's also got to be a badass he faces off with with uh the second in command the second in command respects him it, yeah. their their culture makes sense our culture makes sense or the federation culture it's just so 
It's so satisfying. I love it. What's not satisfying to me is how quickly Riker beats the shit out of this guy. Well, that was that sound you hear is Riker having just thrown this man headfirst into a panel. It did seem like a questionable move to damage the whole ship when you're uh, when you're doing this. Oh, but they I assume, love it. They love it. I assume it was a choice. Exactly. They're like, yeah, that's what we would have done. You know, I will say most of the moves between Captain Cargon and myself. Your only concern is with how you obey my orders. Or do you prefer the rank of prisoner to that of lieutenant? I will take your orders. And you, Commander Riker, obey my orders. Of course, Captain Cargon. The craziest act break in Oh my god. Oh yes, go ahead, Andy. That you guy, discovered I was looking up for some cool from cool stuff on uh, on this actor, Christopher Collins, who's playing Cargon. And uh, and I was like uh, and I was like, that voice is familiar. It's from a cartoon. Do you know who? There's a couple of them. No. On G. I. Joe. Oh, is he Cobra Commander? He's Cobra Commander. That sounds just like Cobra Commander. And on Transformers. What is his name? Starscream. No, what is his name? Christopher Collins. Christopher Collins. Isn't huh. that crazy town? Uh, He's also on Star Blazers. My crazy. favorite uh, bit of... Uh, is he still with us? Is he still Starscreaming? Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know. I'll tell you in a second. My favorite bit of cartoon uh, voice trivia is Carrie Kenny's dad. Who played? Uh, uh, no, he died in '94. Oh, who played? That would forty-four. Uh, Jesus! Well, look at him. He's a hard-living motherfucker. Oh my gosh! Do you know how he died? Probably uh, on the bridge. Uh, I assume a second in command. Killed yeah, him. yeah. He died honorably. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, Carrie Kenny's father is the voice of Lionel. In Lionel? Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this <laughs> you is, were saying Lionel. <laughs> I was like, from Lionel. Son? Lionel. <laughs> Is the voice of Lionel. He, you know, he was overdubbed the whole time. It was all ADR. It's, it's a weird move he by those people. Stood behind the uh, stage and and delivered the lines live because they were filming before a live studio audience. Then how bad could the actor who played Lionel's well, he, voice he was, be? He was wonderful physically, but he sounded a lot like <laughs> Pop. Pop, come on! Oh, you, can't you can't say that. that. <laughs> we got to change this voice. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've just. De- this is I've, I've decided. Andy, yeah. I have decided that this is the worst act break in the history of Star Trek. Oh, exciting! Okay. Yes, Captain. That will take a couple of hours. Use whatever resources are necessary. It appears we may have encountered a new life form. I want to know everything about it as quickly as possible, Commander Data. Supervise. Aye, sir. This is it. <laughs> that is hilarious. I will instruct you in Enterprise etiquette. <laughs> I'm usually attentive to the Will experts. he know Enterprise <laughs> etiquette? How will Mordok get out of this one? Uh, Mr. Hurley, are you sure you want this incredibly powerful sting right after he talks about etiquette? Yes, he doesn't know how they act. <laughs> He's on a ship. He's an alien. He's a fish out of water. Come on. That guy's in. He's in deep, 
deep. He's in hot soup right now. He's got to figure out his way out of it. He's in hot soup. <laughs> That's exactly what he'd say. But it's the worst fucking act break I've ever heard in my life. Like, I just, again, I'm playing it back. Listen to the music and listen to the dialogue. Take a couple of hours. Use whatever resources are necessary. It appears we may have encountered a new life form. I want to know everything about it as quickly as possible. Commander Data, supervise. Aye, sir. And then I will instruct you in Enterprise etiquette. Not the etiquette. <laughs> Uh, when someone says something, you say, yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, you're supposed to say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. There we go. End show. Roll credits. Wait a minute. That was a ridiculous fucking. All right. So here's a scene that Andy loved. It's, uh, wait, you're saying, wait a minute to what? Were you playing along with me or are you waiting a minute to some new discovery Andy has made? Oh, wow. This is Andy is constantly finding out new things while we record this podcast. I'm sorry. Um, I think I know Christopher Collins. Wait, how do you know him? He's dead. I think I met him. How? I'm talking about a different You're guy. In 1994. Yeah. I think it's true. I think I did. He was, I think my father was friends with his mother, and then he became a stand-up in New York, and I... At the time, you know, the internet didn't exist, so I could not connect him to all the things that I was enjoying. And he was in makeup, so, and I wasn't watching The Next Generation anyway. Also, I think he passed away earlier. Oh, wow. He did voiceover work for Boston radio station WBCN. He was the thug in a Seinfeld episode that chases Seinfeld down the, uh, down the subway. Um... New wow, York, Boston, and Los Angeles is crazy. I wonder who's doing all those voices now. He did. He did Cobra Commander. That's crazy. Anyway. There was one summer where I had to bail Chris out of the Hollywood jail in order to get him to the recording on time. Never figured out what he was in for, but he said it was jay jaywalking. Chris was a wild, interesting guy. I liked him and was very sorry to hear of his passing. Oh, Godspeed, Chris. Cerebral hemorrhage. That's a shit way to go. It really is. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring everybody down. Well, you did, Andy. Meanwhile. he Once again, someone who died at 44 and had a fuller career than I have had. Andy, what does that tell you? Mm, Lack of motivation? No. Lack of talent? Pure luck. (laughs) Thanks, Pat. First officer's personal log. I have been aboard the park a short time, but long enough to be impressed with the abilities and single-mindedness of the Klingons. Like, these are the worst scenes to listen to, because it's just the sound of eating. (laughs) I, by the way, love the fucking acting that's going on from the extras in full Klingon makeup. Oh, sure. Like, the way they're chewing, the way they're, like, hitting each other, it's all so over the top. It has to be an an extra's dream. It's basically how extras act all the time, except now they're... It's justified, because they're Klingon. Commander, you're not eating very much. I'm not that hungry. Is the food all right, Commander? It's 
delicious. Tibia's claw was excellent. I also enjoyed this breguet lung. And the roe keg blood pie. Delicious. Good. Then you'll also enjoy this. Isn't that gah? Very good. You did some research on our nutritional choices. Yes, but... Still moving. Gah is always best when served live. I love these Klingon women. Would you like something easier? Easier. Yes. If Klingon food is too strong for you, perhaps we could get one of the females to breastfeed you. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's overplaying it. Well, I mean, we've never seen a Klingon laugh outside of the original series. You're not worried about my weakening, are you? <laughs> Look around you. There are no old warriors. No, sir. I'm sure they all died with honor. Exactly. You may live long enough to learn about us. This guy's played a million He's things in Star Trek. He's not very attractive. But I will have him. They are inquisitive. They would like to know how you would endure. Endure what? Them. (laughs) One or both? (laughs) Now we're in Riker's area. Looks like we found Riker's strike zone. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I thought this was all great exposition Delightful. about a, about a race we had known for for decades and you, and and hadn't known too much about. Fleshed it out. The, it all felt organic to the things we had learned about him before, but it was a step forward. It's exactly the kind of extrapolating I like to see. Um, when you're building out a wor- uh, universe, I was going to say world, but I guess yeah. it's universe in this case. But the uh, galaxy, actually, galaxy. Yeah. The other thing is um, that uh, that Riker, uh, the 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 laugh, the comedy in the scene. Mm-hmm. It's obviously it's not actually funny comedy. Yeah, but you but could it's see appropriate how, because you could it's, see how these humorless people would be finding that funny. It's ball busting. Yeah, it's appropriate ball busting. Yeah. And it's really appropriate to the Klingons. And even, they even do something that I think is fascinating and I'm shocked that they don't do more often in terms of protecting the canon, Mm -hmm. which is, at some point, Riker comments on, I don't know, they were all really kind of funny and kind of having a good time and ribbing each other in a way that, like, Worf really doesn't do. Yeah. So it's sort of like, oh, that's even interesting there that you're you're saying, no, Worf is a different kind of Klingon. The only, uh, my only problem with the scene was the, what I found to be more of the Riker obtuseness uh, with the father thing. With the father. Like when he's like, but he's your father. Oh, yes. Huh. Right. But he's your father. I don't understand. He's your father. Yeah. Well, that goes back to how much do we really know about him? How much does he would know? I will not see him. He's your father. A Klingon is his work, not his family. That is the way of things. 
I'm going to say that from now on to defend any position. He's your father. That's the way of things. Klingons do not express feeling the way you do. Perhaps you should. We would not know how. Yesterday, I did not know how to eat gach. <laughs> oh, a little smile. Well, Andy, I don't know if you know this, but there's been a biological sort of deposit eating its way through the hull of the Klingon ship. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it is really doing a number on them. <laughs> I love the difference in sounds, too. Really good sound design in this Tell episode. me, Commander Riker, what do you make of this? Oh, this is going to be total geekery. Are we hit by a small meteor? Those no. sound effects? Yeah. I was a big Buck Rogers fan, this is mm-hmm, on record, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sound like Buck Rogers sound effects, and I don't think we'll ever be able to find out, but if you're out there or you know somebody who worked on the sound effects on Next Generation, please find out if those sound effects are from Buck Rogers. Where are you, person? <laughs> corrosion, then? No, not corrosion. Science station analyzed? We already have. Unfortunately, the cavity opened onto a section that could withstand a change in pressure. Then what is it? A space organism eating away at our hull. What are you talking about? What is it? I mean, you must have some way to repair it. I'm afraid not. Our estimate is that in less than eight hours, we will have lost too much of our shell to remain intact. The only vessel we've had contact with recently is the Enterprise. There was no direct contact with the Enterprise. Tactics officer, report to Commander Riker. The Enterprise did conduct an extensive scan of this vessel. Mm -hmm. That's normal procedure. What type of beam did the Enterprise use to cause this damage to our hull? None. Why would they do that? We're allies. But my logs indicate that the Enterprise directed an intense scanning beam at this specific area. Why wouldn't you have known that while it was happening? Hmm. Maybe he's got Mendon's rules and he can't say anything until later. Oh, do we care about the emotional turning point for Mendon and Wesley Crusher? No. Correct. Um, <laughs> that was the correct answer, my friend. This guy, Brian Thompson, playing the second in command, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. has been all over Star Trek. He's in DS9 a couple of times. Once as Toman Torex and once as Inglatu. Rules of Acquisition. He was a Klingon helm officer in Star mm. Trek Generations. Glatu Barata Necto. He was what looks like a, a Romulan in uh, in three different Enterprise episodes. Okay. And uh, he was in the Terminator with a small role, although I'm not sure who it is. I wonder if he played one of the guys that he beats up at the beginning to get their clothes. Could be one of the guys he beats up at the beginning. What is he credited as, does it say? Let's find out. Could be uh, also could be one of the soldiers in the future war. Andy, oh, do you realize we are? You know what? No, I know who he is. Who is he? I'll see if Kyle Reese. You know, that's him. Oh, he's the fucking. He's the Terminator punk. in the future. He's no, the, he's the Terminator in the future. He's Terminator the in the future. Uh-huh. That's what I meant. You were wrong. By the way, see. Andy, do you know that today is August 29th? Is is that the and day? That is that the anniversary of Judgment Day, which happened 20 years ago today. 
August 29th, 1997. Wow. Captain, I picked up the Enterprise. So soon? The Enterprise is on an intercept course with us. You uh, almost it. had me believing this was a misunderstanding. You were right, and I was wrong. Man. But the yet what? You that were, he's the punk. Yeah, he's the punk. Yeah, it wasn't the guy in the future. You don't. Uh, I almost had a Terminator podcast with Kevin Smith. <laughs> why <did that laughs> you're not happen? plugged in? Look, I am plugged in. Look at it. Look at it. Well, why did that happen? I don't know. That's weird. You're not plugged in all the way? I know. I discovered this afternoon that my computer is from 2012. So (laughs) it's possible that has something to do with it. By the way, I want you to know that when you get a new computer, you're not going to have a headphone jack. I know. That's depressing. What the hell are we going to do? I don't know. There's got to be a dongle or something, right? I don't. How do they do it? I have a headphone jack because I I have the generation right before they switched over. So what do they do in the next generation? It's got to be a dongle. Well, this we're going over the next generation right now. This is season two, episode eight. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Price has changed course and is following us. Why? Ask them. That would have killed in a Klingon mess hall. Reason is <laughs> obvious. Their intent is clear. How long before we make contact? Less than 15 minutes, sir. Put the ship on full battle alert. Arm all photon torpedoes. Let them charge into their destruction! Our bearings show that we should be in contact with the Klingon vessel now. Slow to impulse. Aye, sir. Impulse speed. Hailing frequencies are open. There is no response. By the way, transmission. The, the first time I've ever seen the the chair, the first officer's chair, be able to fully turn around at the horseshoe. Remember when Data does it? Yeah. I've never seen it turn all the way around. Interesting. In fact, I don't think it really is built to turn all the way around. I think that they probably moved it out for that shot. That is weird. Anyway, just a thought. Or destroyed, sir. Conduct an intensive scan of the area. The Enterprise has slowed to impulse speed and is making an intensive sweep. Hold your position. Let them come to us. They may be here to help you. Don't be a fool. Not forget my rank. I haven't. I am simply trying to help you understand. I understand fully. Now you understand. I am still captain of this vessel, and you are still crew and sworn to obey me. You gave me your oath. Yes, sir, I did. And fulfilled. There's got to be a lot of. Uh, th- I mean, we're gonna have a hard time, NPC here, and I'll explain my reasons later. Okay. This ship, as you swore to. Is it Cargon? See the MVC. Lieutenant. The Enterprise has changed hailing messages. They now include a promise of that's cleaning him, the right? organisms the and helping in repairs. I told you yeah, that. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's Brian Thompson. I do not believe them. Arm all weapons. Prepare to attack. That's an act break. There, I was just going to say the exact same words. Yeah. That's more interesting to me than 
I will teach you about the etiquette of the United Federation of Planets flagship show. Said in the same tone, though, because it was Worf. I will teach Captain you about etiquette. 4250.7.8. Although our search has been extensive, we are still unable to locate the Klingon ship or any evidence of its destruction. Can I ask, what's the deal with cloaking devices. I thought that was a primarily Romulan device. Uh, the uh, Romulans and Klingons have developed cloaking devices. In independently, the, or did one get it from the other? Uh, I believe independently. Romulan cloaking devices operated differently than Klingon cloaking devices. I'm sure if I'm wrong, there'll be a prime corrective, but I think that I'm accurate here. And also the Federation Peace Treaty with mm-hmm. both the Romulan and Klingon empires prevents the Federation from developing cloaking technology. Because they have more powerful ships? Uh, no, it's just the way to keep the peace. But that seems unfair. That's almost... Mm, indeed. Mm. But eventually, the Romulan people do loan a cloaking device to the Federation, and it is installed on board the USS Defiant in Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine? Deep Space Nine. That ship, I love the Defiant. Is that like a lo- the little fighter shuttle that goes yeah, into Yeah, you fucking... The, the, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's not very many decks, but boy, does she pack a wallop because she was developed by Cisco mm-hmm. uh, when Cisco ran the uh, shipyards, the Utopia Planitia shipyards, uh, as a uh, specifically to fight the Borg. Well, you are already... So it has a blade of plate armor. It has quantum torpedoes, photon torpedoes, fucking phaser banks up the wazoo, and a cloaking device. This shit is dope. Can't wait for D-Space 9 in five years. And so it's... Uh, do they use it to kind of like wave people into... into- you know ship spots when they're parking them and just like okay kind of backs them into different areas around deep space nine and gives them their little ticket <laughs> is that what you think deep space nine is deep space it's just nine a boring is, parking lot in space that's been my experience of it oh boy <laughs> i will say you're not the first couple seasons you're not horribly wrong uh-huh. but boy oh boy when wharf shows up I'm really looking forward to I it. I mean, speaking good. of people who've been on fuck tons of episodes of things, yeah. Michael Dorn as Worf was on all of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. And season four, five, six, and seven of D Space Nine. Yeah. Hey, how about a series about him? They, they, he's been trying to pitch it. Captain Worf. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. But, you know. Star Trek likes to go backwards now. We don't go forward in time. Don't knock it too hard, pal. (laughs) It could be employment for you. All out distances. Any questions, Mr. Riker? There's Mm. one thing I'd like to say. I'd like to say I love you. Wait, In my opinion, your reason for forcing this confrontation is not valid. Are you finished? Yes, sir. Commence with attack as ordered. 55,000 kilometers in closing. So I am a little confused at yes. this point whether Cargon really believes that Riker is trustworthy. Like, he's asking him to shoot on his own ship. Mm-hmm. Granted, he took a, quote, oath, but... Do they have such a high opinion of humans that... I think they have, such a, they, they have such an opinion of honor. But why would they trust that this guy would be this honorable he's not controlling the weapons he can be overridden by the captain uh-huh. it's not gonna be a problem for him so they don't feel like they're really taking that much of a chance correct just be overpowered yeah. okay fair enough but it still seems odd is that a weapon commander no sir 
Give it to me. It's a blinking light. We are receiving an emergency signal from a command transponder. Location 035, Mark 313. Frequency and code designated as Commander Riker. By the way, Chief O'Brien, this should not work. Signal. Why? Oh, I guess it could work. Is it under shields? They, do they have shields when they're cloaked? They don't, but the Enterprise has its shields on. And it cannot be in through shields. Wait, doesn't he say drop the shields? I'm just trying to remember. On my command. Yes, sir. I think we I'll might have talked 40, over it. 40,000. 40, Riker knows. So clever. Transporter room, stand by. You control the shields. Ready, ah, sir. There it is. Thank 40, you. 40,000 kilometers. Prepare to drop cloaking shields and fire when ready. Cloaking shields. Steady. Transporter room, energize. They can't fire while they're cloaked. Uh, they just mean the cloak. I relieved Captain Cargon. He was acting in an irrational manner. I'm your captain now. Look at me. Look at me. I am your captain now. <laughs> I didn't see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? You're on board the Starship Enterprise. This is the only time in Star Trek history where Worf is quicker on a phaser. Is that true? Because he's usually feels sad. like it. He either misses or he doesn't get it. But right there, he gets the shot off in a very cool Worf way. I agree. He's awesome. It's so great. It's just got everything I want. He's only dazed, sir. Oh, that's fine. But where's Commander Riker? Cloaking shields off. Obey my orders. We will be destroyed. If we are, it will be in battle, and I will die with you. So I repeat, cloaking shields off. This is some great phrasing right here. It has all armament locked on us and ready to fire. Hold this position. Hailing frequencies. Calling the park. This is the Enterprise. We are here to assist. Do not fire. It will not believe you. Park, we are here to assist. Do you read me? Mm. Enterprise, this is Captain William Riker of the Klingon vessel Park. I order you to lower your shields and surrender. shields this is just Surrender. i think some fine writing so good i demand to be beamed back aboard my vessel transporter chief prepare to beam captain cargan back aboard the park aye sir captain Riker. we can carry out your repairs immediately thank you captain picard by the way i feel like they really got away from calling him picard I feel like that's breaking yeah. canon. Yeah, Picard, <laughs> Picard, uh, Warf. Uh, then I mean, what do you think? I also like the fucking end of this scene. This, this, the way they have it. Thing. You can have it back. 
I just said the way they had Then return to your station. Klingons better than I thought, Commander. Thank you, my friend. What if they kissed right there? Would've been perfect. Would've been great. I'm shipping them. I can't. I'm in love with someone else. Picard. He's my captain. <laughs> Just never had a seen a strike zone like that. I That was such a great scene. Disengage. <laughs> it might have been one of the shortest assignments in the history of Starfleet. Wrong number one. It's almost the longest. Well done. Thank you. Actually, I learned quite a bit. Apparently not when to duck. When not to duck would be more accurate. <laughs> well, Klingons are funnier. Now, Lieutenant, conduct the commander to sink me. Aye, sir. Commander. Your little toy worked, thanks. I'm glad it did. You come from a very brave and unique people. I'm glad you're with us on the Enterprise. Thank you, Commander. And welcome home. Wee! It's all over. We did it. Well, Andy, Matt, we got some real duties to perform here. Let's start with this one. Well, it's the MVC. Yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? Gotta fill the time with something, at least until season three. That is not, that song is not true for this episode. This episode kicks ass. Wow, you think very highly of it. I really so do. So here's the deal. There's a lot of MVCs floating around. All right, here. what do you? What is your point? Here? I what think are you saying? there's one ultimate MVC. I'm curious what your rundown is of all the possibles. Well, of course we have Menden. <laughs> Mordock, what's his name? It's Menden in this one. Menden. We can call him Mordock. Mordock's funnier. We have Menden because okay. he discovers the thing sure and ultimately figures out the solution of how to destroy the thing is it not nullified by his keeping quiet it is not nullified because ultimately we usually tend to grade the mvc on who stops the danger to the ship uh-huh and in this case mendon does so here right moving past mendon okay we have commander william thomas Riker. one question yes sir don't they find mm. the problem mm. independent of Menden, and then Menden just says, "Yes, I saw that earlier." They do, so they would have found it. But without he finds him. the solution uh, alone. 
Well, data is supervision of data, but he seems to be doing it mostly on his own. All right, fair. The enough. point is, okay. he played a role. Okay, good. William, William T. Riker. Sure. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Fucking use the smarts. Prevented the ships from punching each other in the face, uh-huh. and you know probably saved the lives of maybe both both ships. Yeah, possibly stopped a war. Could have very well stopped for saving ultimately millions of lives. Yes. Has to be MVC, right? Yep. Wrong. Okay. Lieutenant Worf. Uh huh. Lieutenant Worf gives the transponder to Riker. That is true. Commander Worf sees 17 steps ahead because he knows Klingons. Can I ask you, though, Matt? Yes. You may ask me. When you're in. I will answer any question. And I think this will be in your area of expertise. Yeah. When you're watching a Bond film, sure. At is the Q end, the, is, you think, do I give it to Q? <laughs> Q just saved the world. <laughs> Excellent point. How come Q isn't Excellent having point. sex with that beautiful lady? Excellent point in the MVC discussion. <laughs> However, you. had Worf not been there, uh-huh. Captain Picard would have taken a fucking Klingon disruptor blast to the face and been killed. Do you think that if in a face-off like that, they would have dropped their their there, because he was definitely going to unload entirely on the Enterprise. I think knowing that they were outgunned, right? The Enter- that, yes, but that, I'm not even talking about that. The I'm Enterprise the D instance. outguns a a bird of prey. Is that correct? No, it would have been a heavy battle. That was their best warship. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay. Would have been a very. I mean, oh, man, I would love to see that. Would have been intense. Is that was? Do they have that? In what is that? Is that an undiscovered country? Is it a full-on battle? Uh, sort of. That okay. ship can fire while she's cloaked. Yeah. That's what makes that one intense. Oh, right, right, right. Uhura's like, things got to have a tailpipe. Anyway, uh, Nicholas Meyer directed that film. The great Nicholas Meyer. Yeah. Someday, buddy. Nick, what do you think? No? Nope, well. Here. <laughs> not here yet. Um, right. So what I'm saying in my summation is that I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm going to slice this right down the middle. Yeah. I'm going half and half. Riker and Worf. Riker and Worf down the middle. Because of Worf's ultimate stunning of the Klingon captain as he's about to phaser Picard's face. I mean, you could also say Disruptor. that he uh, he also trained Riker. But I would say I'm going 75-25. So, so you're, getting, you're, getting, you're giving a quarter of a point to I will Worf. give a quarter okay. point to Worf. I'm All not right. giving it to Mendon just because I don't like that they're even, they even have that character in there. And no, I, Mendon, I feel I, like one of the other people, if they had been on his, on his station, somebody would have found that stuff. Yeah. But um, that being said, uh, I just love Riker so much in this episode. Mm-hmm. He's so exactly what i want Riker to be he's cool he's inquisitive he's got an adventurous spirit which we often see him kind of talking toward he's like kind of talking the talk but we rarely see him walk the walk i think and uh we totally see him do it in this episode uh it's clever to have to have him give the transponder to the captain as opposed to just get off the ship and save himself and tell the enterprise because then he solves it diplomatically he puts the yes. diplomatic solution knowing that that is more important because and it was frankly the whole purpose of the of the exchange in the first place mm-hmm. over his own safety um and uh and just the battle stuff like you were pointing out the the distance that it takes to transport that was so smart mm-hmm just over all the all that stuff with the ships and the battle stuff and the the cleverness of strategy 
I just could watch that all day long. Battle battle strategies is to me what protocol is to you. I understand. I think you would really dig the battle in Star Trek Nemesis, which is 40 minutes long in really? space Ooh, fun. with multiple cloaked ships. Oh, wow. Uh, really the bright spot in that movie. Uh, so we're giving a combined total of 70.75 points for Worf and one. No, the, yes, oh, right. And 1.25 points for Riker. Correct. Uh, all right, Andy. Well, we've got to the Andes. do that. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. I think you're just like on fire last two weeks with your sound effects. Other than that couple flubs, but you know. Yeah, but that was at the you're beginning. Timely. You're timely. You're timely on Thank it. You. You're, also, uh, you're also jumping on my transitions. Is that So As I gotta I'm wait talking. for the transition. Yeah, I'm gonna lead us into the ball. Although sometimes I will say this, sometimes I don't even remember that we're supposed to go to another thing, so your sound effect does help. I, I play by ear. I mean, I can never tell because I, th- I feel like sometimes you're... Uh you're sort of vamping for me. Uh, That's why I jump I in. But I will give you the benefit of the doubt can next usually time. End. Um, but you know what, uh, Matt? I did. Uh, I've taken, even though <laughs> most of the emails have been very friendly and saying that they enjoy the the flubs and mistakes. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them have complained, and I kind of took it to heart. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get on top of this. I think you're making a better show. However, that. Because you're getting better at it, I think the flubs are going to be rarer and thusly more enjoyable. Because you're not expecting them. I gotcha. I gotcha. Reasonable. Yeah. Um, How many Andes are we giving this episode? I don't know whether to go first or second. Well, I'm curious. It's up to you. Here. It's always your choice whether you, you go first. Or first. Second. I have an idea of what I want to. I want to, and I want to know if you'll you'll sort of uh, on a scale of zero to ten Andes. Yes. I give this episode seven Andes. That is interesting. That is interesting. Um, and also, it's very difficult for me because I don't, I can't see. You can't the see the future. Episodes. You don't know what's coming. Um, I really, really like this episode. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to give it nine Andes. Wow, nine Andes. Yeah. Well, that's very impressive and appreciated. Um, I appreciate it's definitely. It. And would I say this is my favorite episode yet? I th- would it say this is be. my favorite it has episode to yet. Be at this point, we've never given anything. I've never given anything nine, right? Not no. think either of us have. No, the it just. I mean, outside of the Mendon subplot, which I, I probably should take off more points for that because it was wasted time. It also was organically woven into the main plot in a satisfying way. So I can't even hold that that accountable. Right. Right. Um, there you go. Well, the next episode is an episode that I, about two and a half years ago, went to the movie theater to see. Yes. They played this in the movie theater, The Measure of a Man. That sounds fun. With the writer. Um, And I believe they showed two episodes. It was when the Blu-ray of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 was coming out. They were promoting it. So they had a special uh, night where they uh, showed two episodes. I believe it was Measure of a Man and Code of Honor. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't Code of Honor. It might have been Q-Who in Measure of a Man. Uh, Is it was, Q-Who it was, one of the it, best? It was a Fathom event. Um, so if anyone out there remembers that Fathom event and what it was, please remind me. But all I do remember is the fact that I saw Measure of a Man and the, and the, the writer was there and she was great. Uh, so here's the trailer for next week's episode, The Measure of a Man. Oh, it's loading. It's cycling. It's cycling. 
next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. It's unjustified. It's unfair. He has rights. A Starfleet experiment threatens to dismantle data for android research. And what's at stake? My very life. No, Captain Picard is data's last hope for survival. What is he? A machine. And now a man will shut it off. Objection. On Star Trek The Next Generation. Not an exciting trailer, but boy, I do enjoy this episode. I'm looking forward to you seeing it, Andy, and I'm looking forward to uh, all of our listeners experiencing it with us. It's definitely one that is oft spoke of and referred to. Yeah, I think it's way up there. It's probably in the top, definitely in the top 15 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. It'll be interesting for me to see if I lower a matter of honor as time goes on. It will be interesting to see. Someday we can revisit everything when we have to do another cycle of this because someone has called and said, we'd like to give you a million dollars to bring it back. If uh, anybody wants to contact Netflix and tell them, hey... Give us a million dollars to bring it back? Maybe. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Not a million dollars, but, uh, you know, just do this show on Netflix. Hey, Netflix, you want us to do an audio podcast for you? It'd be cool. No, we do a video podcast. Oh, you're already doing your other thing on the real show. (laughs) I completely forgot about that. not doing anything on the real show. I know, it hasn't been decided yet. Nothing has been decided. But Uh, it's still in discussion. And all of the That is an interesting, like, world. Is there a a world where Netflix is like, you know what, let's do after shows? Because I've... I fucking would love to just go fucking do a Frasier and Cheers after show. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Eh, whatever. But what about Next Generation? We're already doing this. Don't you want to be... We are doing this, so I don't need to do the other two. I mean, you know what I mean? We're doing this, so I don't need to do this again. Uh, You're now talking Netflix out of hiring us? a valid perspective on this and he can beam himself off this ship but i don't know why he wouldn't want to get paid a decent sum of money and we could have visuals and people could see how beautiful we are even though granted i'm not as beautiful as dead angry minds disengage <laughs> <laughs>